Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 24th of June, 2022. 2022, yes, 4th of June, 24th of June. I don't know why this is difficult for me. I'm Derek Hunter. I, it's Friday. I know it's Friday. That's all that really matters is it's Friday. I know that the Supreme Court is pissed off everybody about guns. Oh, no. Oh, no, people. You have to have a better reason than you don't want people to carry guns to deny people these states to deny people the right to keep and bear arms what a what a crazy idea what kind of monsters are you people <laughs> freaking freaks of nature anyway we'll talk more about that in the future just want to get this started i've uh, yeah let's just get going oh don't forget about the curse show i'll talk about that in the curse show on uh, tonight at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or at uh, Derek Hunter dot locals dot com because why not these God I just want to s- swear so much but I'm not going to so I'm going to wait check it out there at midnight otherwise let's get on with the program I was I, I took a day I had to go to New York God I hate New York I really hate New York had to go to New York for a, a thing with the wife. She won an award for being the best producer in the country, and she deserves it. But, oh God, I hate New York. It just, you grow, at a certain point, you grow out of New York. And your teens, your 20s, you go, God, I'd love to move to New York. I'd love to live in New York. And then you go, but I'm not a millionaire, so I'd have to live in a refrigerator box with roommates. Uh, so I'm not going to move to New York. Or you go, I... I'm going to move way to the outskirts of New York or suffer through whatever you I looked into it back when I was a, in high school my friend John and I thought about moving to New York I don't really even know why this the adventure of it you get the village voice and you'd look at the ads for apartments and you go this is this is per month it's more money than I'd ever seen in my life and like, nah not going to do it but at a certain point, you go to New York and it's like, oh, it's exciting. And you look at the tall buildings and then you go, all right, I've seen the tall buildings. Just like, would I go back to the Louvre? Eh, I'd probably go back to the Louvre if I found myself in Paris. Do I have a burning desire to go back to the Louvre? No, 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 I've been there. I think I've been there twice. That's enough. I'm not one of those people who just needs to be there and see it again and again and again and again. And like, okay, I don't. I don't need to see it again and again and again and again. It's a, a pit. It stinks. It used to always smell like urine. Now it smells like weed. I don't know if you've been to Manhattan for a while, but it, there's a lot of people smoking weed on the streets. No matter what time of day. I got up, uh, I don't know, six thirty, seven o'clock and went for a, a walk. I try to get a good walk in every day. So I went for my walk, got my headphones in, and it's like 7.30 in the morning. There's a smell of weed around. Like, what are you, wake and bake, man. I, I'm i not unfamiliar with the concept of a wake and bake. But uh, it's been a while, and it wasn't a weekday. It was a school day. It was a college day where you did that. Not uh, a random Wednesday on your way to work, like, oh, I gotta, gotta go operate heavy machinery. Actually, I did that, but that's beside the point. It just stinks. It stinks to high heaven. 
and traffic is a nightmare and i just don't have the patience or the desire for new york anymore so we got the hell out of there as quickly as possible but i do want to comment on one thing in particular i know my wife is probably sitting there going don't don't talk. i'm not talking about the event i'm not talking about the radio industry I, I i won't she doesn't want me to talk about that but we went into a Dwayne reed which is i think walgreens owns Dwayne reed now it's a a drug store it's a chain drug store it's all over manhattan it's all over new york we go in there and one it's a it's a weird look in new york you got to find it kind of fit your store into whatever the the logistics of the space will allow so you walk in the front door and you go to the left and it's all the food and the stuff like that it's it's kind of the grocery store half and then you go to the right and it is all the medicines and personal care products and detergent and whatever so you go to the left and you think you're in a just a normal store there's food everywhere canned food bags of food mostly junk food but it's the food that you get and all the drinks it's the food that you get at a at a drugstore then you go to the other side and it is the inside of a brinks truck i don't know what the hell's going on there you can't get anything or very few things without ringing a bell for an attendant everything is behind plastic Everything is locked in cases. And it's not, you know, like obnoxiously, it's just in your way. And if you really worked your way at it, you could pull out a, a bag of whatever or a, a shampoo thing or what have you. Anything with potential resale value on the black market, apparently, was behind plexiglass. Serious plexiglass. I don't know if it was bulletproof, but it might as well have been. And you're like going, what in the hell? What country are we in now? And you realize... All that footage you've seen of all the casual looting, of all the nonstop looting, of all the people grabbing everything. You know, hey, I got a couple of satchels here and I'm just going to stuff all the hair dye or everything you need medicine-wise to cook up meth. And I'm going to throw it over my shoulder like I'm Santa Claus or the Grinch. And I'm going to walk out the front door while employees stand around and film me. That's why this is. That's what happens. I haven't been inside of a uh, a CVS or a Walgreens or a Dwayne Reed or anything. I have Rite Aid still around. I haven't been inside of any of those inside a, a major city in a while. So this was like a bit of a culture shock. Like, I mean, it hasn't been that long. It's been maybe two years. Thankfully, most people don't need to go running into drugstores all that often but i've been in them in the suburbs just outside like two miles outside of dc i've gone into a cvs on multiple occasions it was a cvs near where we used to live there's nothing locked up and this place in manhattan was on lockdown and the soundtrack there there's music playing but then there's the constant bing dong whatever noise that makes when you push that button that assistance needed in in hair products assistance needed in detergent assistance because there's aisle after aisle after aisle there and every aisle has lockdown on it and the girl behind the counter this poor girl, i don't know if other people were i hope other people were working it was it was at night i guess it was probably like 10 o'clock or something like that at night I hope there are other people working but they didn't seem to be moving very quickly 
or, or with any sort of seriousness or concern to get there to unlock people's cabinets. Thankfully, the stuff we were buying didn't have to be locked up. It wasn't put and my wife like needed pantyhose or something. So it wasn't under lock and key. But I can't imagine living like that. I couldn't imagine living in a place like that or tolerating it. And you sit there and you go, this is horrible until you realize what I always say. These people voted for this. These people vote. They just had an election. They literally just had an election like six months ago. They had an opportunity to elect Curtis Sliwa, a Republican, the guy who founded the Guardian Angels. And they overwhelmingly said, no, 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 no. We're going with, I can't remember what the guy's name is, Jerome Adams or whatever. Said, no, let's go with that. He spoke a good game. He said, oh, we got to get tough on crime. He hasn't really gotten tough on crime. We got to crack down on this. Uh, He hasn't really cracked down on much of anything. The only thing I've seen him do recently is this morning on Twitter, uh, some organization tweeted out a video of, of Mayor Adams waving the checkered flag as a bulldozer rolls over 100 dirt bikes and crushes them, ruins them. And you're like, okay. Now, look, I, I lived in Baltimore for 13 years. I understand that in major cities, these dirt bikes are a problem. You get these idiots riding around up and down the sidewalks, the streets, running red lights in big mobs of people. And they're tough to catch because they can get away in ways that police can't. You know, you can't really chase a police car down a very narrow passageway and then up a path through a park and, and you're gone. I think that maybe some strategically placed uh, ropes that spring up that knock people off their bikes would be very helpful but then people would get people who complain about the bikes would complain that the bike ran into my car after the guy was knocked off of it or whatever i think a lot more could be done but that's beside the point if you're sitting there and you're confiscating these motorcycles these dirt bikes these atvs too that's fine that's against the law people know it going in you don't ride them in that environment that urban environment but why wreck them I get it. You're sitting there going, hey, look at we take your bikes and we're going to smash it. Okay. You could get it like a thousand bucks for that. Sell it out west. Sell it to Asia. Sell it somewhere else other than right in the city where it was confiscated. But you could get some money off of that. A hundred bucks or a hundred bikes at a thousand bucks a piece. You could probably get more for many of them. Is $100,000. Now, the grand scheme of things of the city with a multi-billion dollar budget, that's not a lot of money. But this is the problem with progressives as Democrats is they think it's all about the show. They're all happy to put on the show. And they don't seem to have any common sense. Go, wait a second. We're we're paying for the – somebody pointed out hilariously – the irony of these greeny monsters, these left-wing environmental nuts, cheering and celebrating this massive machine spewing black smoke into the sky, driving over these motorcycles that get like 100 miles to the gallon. (laughs) We'll show you. We'll show you. You could also just make these things legal. I don't know. Then license them and make money that way. But it, eh. I don't really care. Just I thought that was ironic. Oh, by the way, the hotel that they put us up in, 
and we're walking in, we finally get there, and outside is the new governor of New York. And I guess she's not all that new, and she doesn't have that new governor smell anymore. Kathy Hochul, Hochul, whatever. Now, you'd think that if you're, uh, you're a major, this is the third, second, third largest state in the country, maybe, top four for sure, you're the governor of that state, that the people of that state would recognize you, that, the, that you'd be very recognized. Kathy Hochul's on the news. You can't really avoid her. But she's standing there, sometimes talking on the phone, but a lot of times not talking on the phone, talking to a bodyguard all by herself. We walked right past My wife didn't recognize her. My wife probably wasn't even looking. I recognized her right away just because the kind of crap registers with me. And I thought, should I say something? Like, nah, I don't really care. I walked past her. Nobody gave a damn. The governor standing around. Nobody came up and said, oh, Madam Governor, let me shake your hand. Oh, Madam Governor, can I get a picture with you? Oh, Madam Governor, can you? None of that whatsoever. She then came into the hotel lobby as we're checking in. And nobody cared. Now, this was the hotel that the organization that was giving out the awards to women in media picked. This is their hotel. So uh, I didn't know it at the time until the next, after the ceremony, like everybody's staying here. Then once you see people at the ceremony, then you see them walk in the halls and you're like, oh, wait a second. Uh, So there are a lot of people there. There was a lot of people at this event. None of them in the lobby, which was pretty crowded, said anything. It was almost like, I don't know if you've ever seen a uh, a pseudo-celebrity or a wildly insecure celebrity or somebody who, uh, like a media celebrity. My prime example is Cenk Uger, the guy from the Young Turks. We went to, I don't know, probably back when he had an MSNBC show, so this is probably 10 years ago or whatever, we crashed the brunch associated with the White House Correspondents Association. I think it's Tammy Haddad's famous brunch on the morning of the, the White House Correspondents Dinner. This guy has a show on MSNBC. He was, the Young Turks were a thing back then. They technically still exist, but I just don't think people care anymore. And he's standing around in the middle of this space with a whole bunch of other people who are, you'd recognize the people if you were into media and some pseudo-Hollywood people. And he desperately wanted to be recognized. God, he desperately wanted to be recognized. He did everything except have a big sign pointing down at himself saying, hey, I'm on TV, love me. And nobody gave a damn. It's because he's wildly unpopular because he's a massively unpleasant human being. And I assume his reputation preceded him at the time. But it was kind of sad how watching him seemingly want to be he seemed like he wanted to be recognized more than just about anything in the world that's what governor Hochul was like standing in the lobby of this hotel there's no reason if she's there for an event there's no reason for her to be loitering in the lobby my wife said well what if she's here maybe she's here for a fundraiser maybe she's she's running for re-election not re-election she's running for election maybe she's there for a fundraiser it's probably true but that makes it even more pathetic that she stands outside for a good five minutes at least. That was what I saw. And she was there probably for a while before we showed up. Then comes into the lobby, stands around for another five minutes. As people are theoretically coming in to attend an event with her where they're going to try to suck up to her. And nobody recognizes her. Nobody wants to bother talking to her. 
I still think she'll win re-election because it's a blue state and Democrats are idiots. But as you look around the city, I can't imagine it's much different in the state as you look at the Dwayne Reeds in Manhattan that are locked down more so than Fort Knox to buy a, a tube of toothpaste. You think, this is the best you can do? And of course, it's not the best they can do. It's the best they're willing to do. So you reach that point where you no longer feel sympathy for these people. You no longer care. You say you did this to yourselves. You keep doing this to yourselves. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And those who refuse to learn from history are destined to continue to elect horrible, horrible Democrats. By the way, if you want to see those pictures of Dwayne Reed on lockdown... I just tweeted them out. The food is not locked up. Oh, they're liberals. Oh, they're just trying to feed their families. That's why they're looting everywhere. Really? They could walk out with bags of food pretty much unmolested. If you could walk out with bags of makeup and hair dye unmolested, I'm pretty sure nobody's going to stop you with a bunch of Campbell soup. But you know what you can't do? You can't trade a can of cream of mushroom for some crack. No, but you can't fill your tank up with cream. Don't try to feed, fill your tank up with cream and mushroom soup. Don't do it. It'll just clog the funnel and you'll look like an idiot. Speaking of idiots, our Democrats, uh, let's see, where do we want to start? Because I think that uh, tonight is the big finale of the January 6th committee hearing. Remember, that? well, this round. It's weird how this is like, you know how uh, Netflix has like... Uh, limited series and apple tv is it's a very limited series oh you know they're only going to make 10 episodes of this we're going to tell this story and uh, like uh, the offer if you haven't been watching the offer on uh, if you have paramount plus the offer about the making of the godfather is freaking awesome or uh, we crashed on apple tv is pretty good too i saw my first and only we work location while we we're in new york i was like they still exist uh, they weren't all that clear about it in the, the miniseries. But anyway, they have these uh, limited series things. And that's what Democrats were trying to replicate with these January 6th hearings. We've got a six-part series here. And it's very important. And everybody should watch. It's so important that we're going to schedule the first one at 8 o'clock on a Thursday. So everybody can... We're going to preempt everything... So you can watch this hearing, and that, boy, howdy, that will really turn the tide. And then it didn't. It didn't. It didn't matter. Very few people watched it. It didn't matter. And so they've got their uh, final hearing for this round tonight. I believe this one is in prime time, too. I know, I guess it's set for 3 p.m., so Whatever. More so closer to prime time. They're recognizing that this isn't working. They're recognizing that the American people don't care. And it's really frustrating, the liberals. It's really, fr you can see it on Twitter. You can see it on social media. The people who care about this, care about this more than uh, than anybody loves their kids. Like they, it's certainly more than these people love their kids. They are fully vested in this garbage. I have a little montage here. It's not actually all that little. It's it's a little bit long, but it's worth it. It is so worth it because the punchline is the clip after it. 
But this montage here is all media types, all journalists, in air quotes, talking about how damned important this January 6th hearing is and uh, selling it to their audience. Now, their audience is all MSNBC and CNN, so their audience, to the extent that they're going to buy into it, has already bought into it. What's even funnier is you realize that the audiences of those two networks even a majority of them haven't bought into it, but still. Listen to these people do their damnedest to get you to care about the January 6th hearing. There's never been a bigger or more important story in American history than this. This is the most important story in the history of the Republic. These January 6th hearings are remarkable. They are riveting. The hearings last night, they were searing. They were vivid. It was compelling. It was chilling. The videos were chilling. And it was, It. I think it's going to be historic. This was a historic, compelling hearing. This is very compelling uh, television because it's a very compelling hearing and it's compelling it's must see tv i've been texting with a number of sources i was texting people live during the hearing um the words that i was hearing from them were stomach turning riveting compelling one senator told me that he had a lump in his throat as he was watching the video and hearing this testimony stunning testimony from the house select committee investigating the january 6th assault a stunning round of testimony from the witnesses of course what the committee was able to offer in terms of new materials that we had never seen before this is so much worse than something like Watergate. This is so much worse than Watergate. This is a watershed moment for our democracy. What happened on January 6th is so much worse than Watergate. Really? It really is by a uh, hundred degrees. Orders of magnitude worse than Watergate. I, yeah. You know, you you know about Watergate, the history books. Uh, this blows Watergate out of the water. Watergate is a walk in the park next to the January 6th attack on American democracy and the almost assassination of an American vice president at the hands of a mob incited by the American president. This is the most important and disturbing uh, incident that's ever happened in the 246 years of the American constitutional republic. My God, it brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? Oh, my God, it's the worst, this is the worst thing that ever happened to this country. Ever, 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 ever. Most important story, most important. Forget all that other stuff. The almost assassination of a vice president. Why, uh, what kind of, did somebody take a shot at him? No, they said mean things within about 20 feet of him behind you know, some walls and some stuff. But while well, he was surrounded by armed, trained professionals, uh, and they were armed with, I don't know, bagels and a bad attitude. But you never know. You never know. I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just mocking their overplaying of it. Meanwhile, those very same people, by the way, uh, just lived through a guy traveling across the country and arming himself to the teeth with weapons of murder and torture to expressly, thanks to their talk, kill a supreme court justice they wanted to kill us he wanted to kill a supreme court justice and uh they don't even talk about it they, the president of the united states has never once mentioned it by the way so yeah spare me this concern for my mike pence give me a break they they would under normal circumstances they'd be right out there going after mike pence too but the problem, the thing is, nobody, nobody got Mike Pence. Nobody went after Mike Pence. They're walking around chanting about Mike Pence. If it was a hunt for Mike Pence, somebody would have found Mike Pence. Somebody would, more people would have been shot 
trying to get to Mike Pence. And quite frankly, they would have deserved to have been shot. But it didn't happen. So all that hype, all that, oh my goodness, the pearl clutching, the hand fused to the pearls, they were clutched so tightly, hasn't made a dent. The American people don't give a damn. They're not watching. They're past this. It's hard to care uh, about what Democrats get all bent out of shape over when you're paying 75 100 bucks to fill up your car. When you're uh, having Salisbury steak, when you used to be able to afford steak. When you're annual increase in salary is eaten up and then some by Joe Biden's inflation. It's hard to give a damn about this thing. It's already hard to give a damn anyway, since you recognize that these people are sitting around uh, hyperventilating about something that was bad, not good, but it certainly was not as bad as 9-11. It certainly was not worse than the Civil War, the Kennedy assassination, the Lincoln assassination, the worst thing ever to happen to this country. Really? Really? I kind of look at the election of Joe Biden as worse, but that's beside it. Anyway, poor Chuck Todd. He had on uh, Betsy Woodruff Swan, who covers Capitol Hill for Politico. He had her on his show, which I believe has been relegated, aside from the Sunday edition, the daily edition has been relegated to their streaming service because Chuck Todd is just not working out for him. He's as popular as his hairstyle is. And... uh he asks her about it, and she's been covering this, and she's talked to some Democrats up on the Hill. You want to hear the air let out of a balloon, and not in a funny way that makes that fart noise, but just the air being let out of a balloon. Listen to poor Chuck Todd and uh, Betsy Woodruff Swan realize and report that uh, for all the hype, for all the pushing, for all the desperation, the American people simply don't care. Brings me to the... All-important question, Betsy, does the January 6th hearing break through at all? Is this more proof it does not? I don't think it does. I've talked to two separate Democratic members of Congress in the last couple of weeks about January 6th. Obviously, can't say who. And, and both of them have said offhandedly, nobody gives a bleep about January 6th when they're talking about their districts and the way that elections play out. Nobody gives a bleep. Nobody cares. All the hype, all the pushing, all the crying, all the the showing. The, they hired a producer. They hired the former president of ABC News, who used to work on news packages for like 2020. They hired a producer to try to manipulate the public into caring, to paying attention even. And it didn't work. It didn't work. Now, Why? A, frankly, it's not all that compelling. You have to be honest. It's not all that compelling. What happened that day was bad, but I'm sorry, when juxtaposed with 100-plus straight days of riots, several dozen dead people, murders, straight-up murders, and everything else we know, the $2 billion in damage that the BLM Antifa riots uh, caused, and Democrats cheered and raised bail money for its perpetrators. And I don't even know why they raised bail money. They could have just waited because the prosecutor said, we're not charging anybody, we're not prosecuting anybody. There's no reason to put bail money up. After that, for a year, Democrats uh, trying to hype up January 6th, it just doesn't hold any water. It's laughable. It's a joke. A year 
versus what? Three hours? Three hours of a self-guided tour? The damage. They did damage. to the, Yeah, they did. The people who did the damage, go get them. You broke something, charge them. Absolutely. Trespassing, uh, vandalism, whatever. But you should also, I don't know, maybe charge the people with destroying property when they ripped down statues of people they didn't like. They ripped down statues of abolitionists because they're stupid. And they go, there's a statue of an old white guy. We got to go get him. He's obviously a slave owner. Yeah, the North, I don't know where these people went to school. And they sit there and they think that the Northeast is somehow just riddled with slave owners or something. It's so wildly stupid. Oh, yeah, no, the, the Northeast is known for its, its slaving. Not really, not really. But, yeah, that's, that's the mindset of the left. That's the mentality of the left. And to sit there and think you've just, you've shoved all your cards or all your, your chips into the center of the table. Because what else are Democrats going to run on? <laughs> they can't run on the economy. They can't run on national security. They can't run on securing the border. They, they, if it was just an election of Democrats, they could run on those things. Look, we're ruining the economy. And sooner or later, it will collapse and we'll be able to replace it with our socialist utopia. Or we've opened the southern border and sooner or later, we will get enough people in here and we will force through amnesty and citizenship for these illegal aliens, and boy howdy, we will then forever be a permanent majority. Those things would fly in the Democrat primary. Fortunately for Democrats, uh, it doesn't fly with the American people. It doesn't even fly with Democrat voters. If you think that the uh, voting blocks that Democrats have been so carefully cultivating for decades haven't noticed that, oh, there's a bunch of people coming across the southern border, and, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a lot of people with criminal records coming across the southern border, and the American people don't like that. Democrats do. The American people don't. And so they're losing the black vote. They're losing the Hispanic vote. Not because of racism, but because of common sense. I saw a report probably two weeks ago. It baffled me. Somebody was arrested at the southern border who had been uh, convicted of sex with a minor in 2018 in, um, I think it was Virginia, it might have been West Virginia. And you're sitting there and you're going, what? Because it's not like, oh my God, I'm so shocked that some pervert is trying to sneak their way back into the country. I'm not in a shocking at all. One thought was, how in the hell is a guy that's convicted of essentially statutory rape just a couple years ago free already to be sneaking back into the country shouldn't a child molester get a little bit more time than that and you realize oh wait no these are democrats democrats controlled the state then that was governor blackface and when you pander non-stop to people based on their ethnicity, their skin color, and their status. You think that you're going to win voters because of their status in this country. You do things like, well, go lenient on child molesters because they have Spanish surnames. And with the Democratic base, that actually probably flies, to be honest with you. 
So they thought they were doing good things for their party. But if you sit there and you listen and you pay attention to who's the hundreds of people arrested every day who are breaking into this country and their criminal records and their criminal pasts, you should be going, why, not only are they coming back, why are they out of prison in the first place? And then you realize that Democrats simply don't give a damn about the things you care about, like protecting your family. They really only care. Look, they live in gated communities. They live privileged lives. They're not going to be impacted by this stuff. The little people are. AOC, I'll talk about this in a second. AOC the other day whining about not making enough money to be able to afford to start a family. She gets paid $174,000 a year in addition to um, she can get speaking fees. They can, they can get, there's lots of ways for them to get money. Plus, a lot of her life can be subsidized and is subsidized by her campaign money, which she has plenty of. And she's whining that she can't afford it, that she wants to raise taxes on everybody, raise regulations to make things more expensive. She doesn't give a damn. She drives a Tesla, for God's sakes. Uh, so maybe spare me the crocodile tears. We'll get to that and a whole bunch more. But I just, when I saw that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It's typical for the left. I want to talk, you know, because we, we, Washington, D.C. is a game of stupidity and musical chairs blame. Musical chairs blame. It's not the most catchy title in the world, but it's a working title. What do you want from me? It is people running around going, I, I didn't do that. This president is a prime example of it. And you can always tell what a Democrat is by what they accuse everybody else of being. If you remember during the campaign, Joe was talking about how he was going to, he's not going to take the blame. He'll take responsibility. They give you his word as a Biden that he'll take responsibility for what goes on. He's not going to blame shift and point out and accuse everybody else of doing everything else. No. Then, of course, what did he do? He, he's been accusing everybody else of everything under the sun. He's president. I wasn't even in town that month. So to sit there and look at the gas price fight and the inflation blame game is kind of funny. I, I enjoy watching it because it's not working. Now, there's a possibility. And this is why I enjoy it so much. There is a possibility that were they able to, I mean, meaning they, meaning the entire left, able to coalesce around one message and hammer it home, message discipline, hammer it home nonstop, that it could have some impact on some people. Well, it'd be the difference maker nationwide. We don't have a national election coming up in November. We have a series of local elections coming up this November. So it could work in certain districts. These You got to remember some of these uh, districts where Republicans are hoping to pick up seats in the House to be able to flip the House or in some of these states to pick up some Senate seats to flip the Senate. They did elect Democrats. So they already have a constituency of uh, easily manipulated, uh, less than a bunch of Forrest Gumps, a lot of dumb people who can be swayed by stupid arguments, just just the way it is. So that's what we're up against. That's what we kind of have to combat. That being said, 
Democrats haven't coalesced around a single message because they don't know what that message is. There's really no good message that they can even lie about that is believable for the swayable voters out there that would believe that it's, well, it's not really Joe Biden's fault that the gas prices are so high. It's not really, oh, it's that damn Putin. It's Putin's price hike. He really, no. The American people recognize that long before Putin invaded Ukraine, gas prices had gone up significantly, 50% as a matter of fact, $2 to $3. That they recognize that inflation has been around for a year by the time Putin had gone into Ukraine. So to sit there and say, well, it's Putin's price hike. Putin is way more powerful than anybody ever imagined if he can retroactively impose his will and his destructive power on the world. And if that's the case, we should probably leave him alone and let him have Ukraine. Just say, if he's got that kind of power, you might want to back away slowly and go, you know what, dude, uh, I'm not even going to mess with you. You can bend time and space to your will. You can have Ukraine. But that's not the reality. The reality is it's Democrats who are doing the damage to themselves. It's Democrats that are uh, looking like fools on the world stage. And there's a reason that the Democratic establishment is keeping Joe Biden away from the press, because he has no freaking clue, nor ability to message. And they don't have a mess. Even if they did have a message, they still wouldn't be able to get it because uh, get him out there because he's not that bright. So I want to start off with one of his messengers. And I know, oh, the Fed is independent. Yeah, the Fed is independent, right? Jerome Powell is the chairman of the Fed. He's more independent than any cabinet official. I'll give him that. He was testifying up on Capitol Hill yesterday about and was asked about inflation. Now, what have we heard nonstop from the Biden administration? Putin's price hike. Inflation is because of Vladimir Putin. It is because of the invasion of Ukraine. Now, here's the guy you got to the people closest to Joe Biden advising him on economics issues are uh, like Janet Yellen, the secretary of the Treasury, who said, well, I believe that uh, I, I can't do her voice deep enough, but uh, I believe that uh, inflation is transitory. And now she's going, oh, geez, I guess inflation isn't transitory. But for a year, it was inflation is transitory. Nothing to worry about. Nothing we can do about it. And nothing we need to do about it while doing everything to make inflation worse. And you go, okay, that's not exactly the most uh, reassuring that this person has the president's ear. But this person also has the president's ear. It's just that Joe Biden seems to have turned a deaf ear to Jerome Powell, Powell, chairman of the Fed. Listen to him asked about the message, the closest thing to a message that Democrats have cooked up when it comes to inflation. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So again, it's either 
the Biden administration is lying or Vladimir Putin can bend the space-time continuum to fit his needs at any given moment, at which point we should just cede him Ukraine so that he does not use this awesome power against us any further. Now we come to uh, the former governor of Michigan. Again, sorry, America. Jennifer Granholm. She is the Secretary of Energy. She has no business being the Secretary of Energy. If she were not a woman, she would not be the Secretary of Energy. If the Biden administration hired anybody on merit, she would not be in the Biden administration. But then again, neither would Secretary Mayor Pete, Javier Becerra, uh, Merrick Garland, anybody. Joe Biden just seemed to pick people that other people had heard of. Go, All right, well, let's get this. They're a rock star in the Democratic Party. Yeah, let's let's put the guy who's going to take two months paternity leave in charge of the supply chain issue. That'll be great. What, what could go wrong? Granholm up there, by the way, if she was Secretary of Transportation, that would make some sense. Governor of Michigan, the auto industry there, the auto industry's concerns with the ability of people to be able to use their products there by moving around, things like that. It would make sense. Energy makes no sense. She left the governorship of Michigan after two terms, went out to California to get a job at the University of California system because the uh, schools in Michigan didn't want to hire her. She was that big of a failure. And while out there, the Democrat plan to preemptively bribe people kicked into effect like hunter biden hunter biden was given uh, control of a billion two i think it was by the chinese communists why why would they give hunter biden a billion two to invest well because he gets a a commission of about uh, was it three percent or something some, whatever it was he, he made millions of dollars off of it a billion two is a lot of money but it doesn't really matter to china they've got trillions of dollars they control all of it and on the off chance that Joe Biden runs for president, you've already established a uh, friendly bribery relationship with the Biden family, with the conduit to establish that friendly bribery relationship with the Biden family, Hunter. That's how it works. That's Hunter's whole career is corporations and foreign entities bribing him on the off chance that his father finds himself in a position to help them in the future. And you don't get much more helpful than President of the United States. Granholm, along those lines, got a $5 million stock option from an electric vehicle company out in California. Why? She's, I believe, a political science professor out in the UC system. She certainly wasn't a professor of electric cars. But just in case, stock options don't really cost the money, a company all that much money. Doesn't cost them cash, that's for sure. And what Jennifer Granholm was always viewed as a rising star in the Democratic Party, not because of her accomplishments. She really didn't have any as governor, but because she was a woman. She was a moderately attractive woman. She also could never become president herself because she was born in Canada. She's born Canadian, thank God. But otherwise, Democrats would have nominated her at some point. But you just say, oh, well, here's some stock options. Just in case you end up in a position at some point or you're able to 
influence. Maybe it's just as much as a, making a phone call if you don't go into an administration, making a phone call to somebody so that we can get favorable treatment from the federal government as they allocate $5 trillion. We can give you $5 million, and maybe at some point that would lead to a billion-dollar government contract or something like that, and you go, well, that seems like an awful risk. It's not really an awful risk. It's not costing you $5 million in cash. It's $5 million in stock options, and the potential payoff is huge. And it paid off. Jennifer Granholm is now Secretary of Energy, subsidizing electric vehicle companies amongst all sorts of other things that they're throwing money around at. Now, Granholm, eventually, it took it took it being reported that she had these stock options, and then it took a couple of months after that for her to allegedly divest herself, meaning sell these stock options for a healthy profit. Because you see, if you have, you put no money in and somebody gives you $5 million worth of something, even if you sell it for a million, which he didn't, she sold it for more, but even if you sell it for a million, you're doing all right. Like I would take that kind of investment all the time. So you're, you're telling me I give you nothing and then you eventually just give me money. Millions of dollars. That sounds like a great, that's even better than the offer I'm being given by this Nigerian prince in my inbox right now. So I think I'm going to take that offer. Granholm gets trotted out, though. She, all the money in the world and all the corruption in the world doesn't make her competent at her job. She's out there at the White House podium, asked about what Jerome Powell said, that inflation is not because of Putin and Ukraine. It's been going on for the entirety of the Biden administration, almost really started with the Biden administration. Not on the same page, not at all on the same page. Here's how Granholm handled that. Secretary Granholm, you and the president have framed uh, this war in Ukraine as the primary driver of the spikes in energy costs that's the largest contributor to overall inflation. But uh, the Fed chairman was on the Hill today, testified, he was asked a question, is the war the primary driver of inflation? And his answer was no. How do you square that? Is he wrong? I, I didn't hear what he said on that, but I think most people acknowledge that the price of fuel is a big driver of inflation. And in fact, they've put large percentages on it. And so we know that the the war in Ukraine, having driven up the price of fuel because it, it crimps supply. It's a total supply and demand question. We've got to make up for the million barrels per day that have lost. We're, we will have a demand problem when China opens up after COVID. There will be additional upward pressure on supply. This is why we need, not just in the U.S., but we need globally more supply brought on board. And uh, so uh, his, his full quote was, no, inflation was high before, certainly before the war in Ukraine broke out. Well, I think um, most would say that the price of fuel has exacerbated inflation. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I, as secretary of transportation, know more than the chairman of the Fed or the damn statistics. Now, you got to love in there, she said, we, the Russian thing, uh, Ukraine, we've got to make up for that million barrels a day. As if that million barrels a day is the reason that gas prices have more than doubled. Except for the fact that six weeks ago, Joseph Robinette Biden did what? He authorized, ordered the release 
of what? A million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. A million barrels a day for the next, I think, six months or whatever. That million barrels a day that the Secretary of Energy right there said that they had to find a way to come up with um, has already come up with. It's already there. What is it? Now she's sitting there saying we got to come up with more, but this administration is absolutely steadfast in its refusal to allow for more drilling, more exploration, more refining. It doesn't stop them from going out and saying, if you guys would just refine more, everything would be better. While they're making it nearly impossible to build a new refinery, there hasn't been a new refinery built in this country in decades. Why? Because of environmental regulations. They shut them down. The left is shutting down and trying to shut down everything energy-related that actually works in this country. They're doing it not just here. The left is the left is the left anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world. In Germany, they shut down all the coal-fired plants and all the nuclear plants or most of them, and now they're running out of energy because they were dependent on Russia like idiots. And Russia's cutting them off, and they're trying to cut. They're trying to recover. What are they doing? They're going back and recommissioning coal and nuclear plants because those work. We're going to do that in this country. California brags about how they shut down their nuclear power plants. Congratulations! They took a huge chunk of the the rural, middle of nowhere parts of California and put up solar panels. Now, remember that. They get to feel really good about themselves as their rolling blackouts hit them this summer, which they will. And rolling blackouts will probably hit a large majority of the country this summer. But don't worry. Jennifer Granholm's on the case with a semantical argument and some twisted logic about why it's not really the Biden administration's fault, it's Vladimir Putin's fault or something like that. President, I wasn't even in town that month. Feeling good about your choices? So you talk about gas prices and inflation. Joe Biden was out there begging gas stations to essentially take a... The gas stations aren't making money. I believe the number is somewhere between three to five cents per gallon that gas stations are making per gallon of gas. The federal government makes 18.3 cents per gallon. Or 18.4, whatever, I think it's 18.4 per gallon. That's significantly more than the margins that the gas stations are getting. But still, Joe Biden is saying, no, sell your gas for less. He's essentially saying, take a loss. Take a loss to the mom and pop, because the vast majority of gas stations are not, you know, you walk, drive over the dinger and the Texaco man come out and they pop the hood, we'll check your fluids and everything. That ain't the way it is anymore. Gas stations are independently owned, even if they're associated with an oil company. That sign that you see, like, oh, there's the Shell station. Not owned by Shell most of the time. They are owned by individuals, usually the guy who's wrenching on a car when he's not in there selling a pack of cigarettes. Joe Biden is accusing that guy of price gouging. Joe Biden is telling that guy to take it, uh, take one for the team. And lower the price, sell it at a loss, which is because he's sitting there saying, well, we want to suspend the gas tax for a few months. Like that's a sacrifice for the government. It's it's not. The government won't be operating at a loss. The government is 
they're putting nothing in. You know, if the government were laying out uh, 17 cents a gallon and getting back 18.4 cents a gallon, they go, all right, well, we're going to continue to lay out our 17 cents a gallon, but we're going to not take our 18.4 cents a gallon. Then you could say that they're they got some skin in the game. They have no skin in the game. They are like the mafia sitting over on the side going nice gas station you got here. It'd be a shame if somebody threw a lit cigarette into that pile of gasoline over there. So why don't you pay us? 18.4 cents per gallon. States are worse. States are much worse. State taxes are much, much higher. The Biden administration is calling for states to suspend their gas taxes too, at least through the election. (laughs) I love it. No, the gas tax hurts people. So let's suspend it. Wait a second. So you're saying you want to suspend temporarily for a short period of time through the election something that you're acknowledging is hurting people. I have an idea. How about you get rid of it? If it's hurting people, let's get rid of it. And if it's hurting people, let's encourage the states to get rid of it. No, no, no. They don't They don't want to not hurt people. <laughs> they want to not hurt people in the build-up to an election. Then, then we can get rid of that thing. Then we can bring it back. <laughs> but listen to Joe beg gas stations to uh, take one for the team, if you will. If uh, so, we can lower gas prices. So let's be honest with one another. My message is simple to the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, they need relief now. Do it now. Do it now. They ain't getting rich off the sale of gas. All right. You want to bring down the price of gasoline, increase the supply of gasoline. You want to bring down the price of oil, increase the supply of oil. You don't. Your restrictions, the acts you took from the very first moment when you were done giving your rambling inaugural address, everything you've done from that moment forward has restricted the supply of oil, the supply of gas. That caused the increase in prices. Undo some of those things, and then you will have an impact. But you won't. Either you're too stupid and senile to know that that's what you've done, or you don't care. Actually, they don't care. They don't care. Matter of fact, back to Jennifer Granholm now. She said, basically in talking about high gas prices yesterday, the only way out of this is not more exploration. It's not reopening up the thousand acres that Joe Biden had declared off limits about three months ago in Alaska, where there's a ton of oil, where we could really make a difference, where it really would impact the futures market. No, none of that. The future, if you don't like gas prices, is to drop 50 grand on a electric vehicle. If you can't afford that, that's on you. Listen, listen to this talk from the energy secretary. Green energy is the only way out. The real truth is that uh, as long as our nation rela- re- remains overly reliant on oil and fossil fuels, we'll feel the, these price shocks again. This is not going to be the last time. The next time there's a war, the next time there's a pandemic or another hurricane, 
these extreme weather events we are experiencing, they will impact the access that we have to fossil fuels. The only way out of these boom and bust cycles is to break that sole reliance, and that means diversifying our fuel sources by deploying clean energy. Buy an electric car. Just drop 50, if you don't like paying five bucks a gallon, drop 50 grand on a new car. In six, eight months, nine months, you'll get another one. It'll show up and you'll, you'll be able to do it. I, you talk about tone deaf. There is no tone that these people can hear. Gas price, the boom and bust, the only way out of this, the boom and bust. There have been wars before where we've seen gas prices go up five, ten cents a gallon. There have been hurricanes where we've seen the price of gas go up five, ten cents, maybe even as much as 20 cents a gallon. We have not seen anything like this, and it's not because of Russia and Ukraine. It is because Joe Biden is choking the life out of the industry in this country. It's not just by his actions, although his actions have been bad enough. It is that he's sitting there telling the oil company that we are going to destroy you. In 10 years, we, we're going to subsidize the hell out of everything else. We are going to destroy you. We want to destroy you. We want to tax the hell out of you. We want to prevent you from doing anything. We want you out of existence in 10 years, period, end of story. And then you're sitting there going, well, why aren't these companies investing in oil exploration right now? Joe Biden likes to talk about there are 9,000 leases out there for drilling. Most of them are unusable. They have no way. Having a, a lease for drilling on a plot of land doesn't do you any damn good if there's no oil on that land. But, uh, you know, you got the lease. Congratulations. But to sit there and say, well, why don't you spend more money when they also say that we're going to destroy you and replace you and you're the root of all evil, no company would invest under those circumstances. Certainly not invest a lot unless there's an immediate turnaround in investment. But to open more refineries, first of all, the lawsuits that the left would file would keep it tied up for years. To try to uh, gain access to inaccessible regions or difficult accessible regions of the country where they do have gas leases, oil leases, where there is oil, but there's no infrastructure, there's no roads, there's no way to get in there. To try and build a pipeline to get it out of there, that's not going to happen. To try and build the roads down there, you'd have to get the uh, agreement of the federal government to allow them to take down trees, to build a road, to move the oil out of there. That ain't going to happen. Then, oh my God, what if you're somewhere near some place uh, that's near an Indian reservation, the left will go, oh, you're going to ruin sacred ground. You can't do that. It'll be tied up for years and years and years and years and years. When there was no government in the White House pointing a gun at the head of the oil industry, it was worth it to have these fights because even though it took 10 years to get something done, something would eventually get done. These tactics were only delaying tactics and to cost the oil companies money. They knew they never were going to win. But now that you got the government saying, we're not going to let you, we're going to ruin you, we're going to ruin you, no company in their right mind would go, well, let's see if they're bluffing. Let's try and go. I mean, look at what they're willing to put up with already. They're willing to put up with $5 a gallon of gas. So the oil companies are going, we're not going to invest in that. You can't blame them. You can blame that idiot you just heard talking about gas prices. It's his fault.
It's by design, not by accident. Let me explain the situation of the Democrats and gas this way, because it is, if you've been paying attention, I don't know if it goes back to Bill Clinton's administration. I think Bill Clinton was too smart to fall for this stuff and recognize that he didn't need it. He had the charm and the... uh, the mental capacity to sort of make arguments, BS arguments, but make arguments on his own. He didn't need the crutch of the uh, the lie as much, or the the uh, he didn't need the radical left to get what he wanted. He triangulated. He got more done when he tacked to the center than when he was pandering to the left in his first years. It cost him Congress for the first time in forty years. Democrats. But uh, definitely Barack Obama, definitely Joe Biden. Barack Obama told us in 2008, under his energy plan, gas prices, energy crisis would necessarily skyrocket. Not because he really wanted to raise prices because he thought people were, weren't paying enough to air condition their houses in the summer. They wanted people to not be able to afford to drive as much. They wanted people to not be able to afford to keep their house at 71 degrees, keep it at 75 degrees in the summer. Don't, you know, deal with it. Put a sweater on in the winter. They wanted that because then you use less energy and uh, the so-called greenies are happy. Now, weirdly, he wanted to tax the hell out of it, so you're using less but paying just as much if not more because they they aren't going to give up digging into your pockets but they don't care about five dollar gas for a long time you can go and find it democrats talked about how gas was too cheap in this country relative to europe and canada they sold it by the leader and it was like twice or three times as much if you've ever driven in canada you don't ever want to get gas in canada Make sure you have enough, like holding your breath underwater. Like you want to make sure you get a big, deep breath before you go underwater. Before you go into Canada, you want to fill up your tank and, and get the hell out of there as quickly as possible because <laughs> you don't want to pay their gas prices because people drive less when it costs more. That's their goal. They believe this environmental crap or they're selling it. They're, I don't think they actually believe it. I think that they recognize that their donors are heavily invested in this and they stand to make a ton of money and get a ton of money, a ton of campaign contributions if they're able to subsidize these things and mandate the use of these so-called green energy things. Now listen to Joe Biden, just to, to put a fine point on this. Yesterday, Biden was talking about how people will be better off when they're riding trains and buses and everything like that. Now, he doesn't come out and say it because he's president right now and the price of gas went up too fast. It was just like Obamacare. Obamacare was designed to fail. It just wasn't supposed to fail so quickly. They want it to become too expensive. They want it to become impractical. They want it to become unmanageable. So then they can come back and say, well, we tried the private sector. Now we have to take it over. But before it even started, it was collapsing. They can't make that argument now because every problem with health care can be attributed to Obamacare. And people remember who implemented Obamacare. It was not passed with a single Republican vote. The gas price going up, if you look back in history, Democrats wanted high gas prices. They wanted them more gradually so it wasn't so painful, but they wanted to be the frog in the water 
that you turn the gas on, or the flame on underneath, rather than the frog thrown into the boiling water. But Joe Biden has given away the, the game every time he talks. He says, you know, and you heard Granholm earlier, well, if you just buy an electric, we move towards electric vehicles, we'll be much better off. And Joe Biden will be better off if people ride trains and buses and take mass transit because gas is too expensive. That's what they want. They want to herd us into major cities and force us to use public transportation. So their friends at BlackRock can buy up all the farmland and Bill Gates can buy up all the farmland. And we're investing almost $100 billion in public transit and rail. For all the studies show that it will take millions of cars off the road and significantly reduce pollution if there's a serious transportation system available. Yeah, all the studies show that if you if there's a serious transportation system available and you make energy cost prohibitive, that's it. That's the part they leave out. That's the part he's working on. That's the part he's got. There's stories today about how people are now seeking carpools because in, in blue states, because in New York, because all these cars are too damned expensive. Driving these cars is too damned expensive. Well, why do you think that is? There's one party that doesn't want you to drive a car at all. There's one party that wants you to live your life however you choose to live your life. Which way you you think the Democrats fall on that one, huh? I can say. And then, by the way, just speaking of health, sorry, this story from the New York Times, maybe we'll get into it in the next show, uh, just the, the headline and the tweet about it. Health experts will call on Tuesday for an overhaul of the U.S. public health system that would expand the role of the federal government, giving Washington the authority to set minimum health standards and coordinate a patchwork of nearly 3,000 agencies. Why? Because the government did such a piss-poor job during the pandemic. State governments. Blue state governments did. Blue states screw up. Big government failed during the pandemic. So the solution that the left always offers is bigger government. Big government caused the gas prices to go up through the roof. Federal government spending $100 billion on public transportation. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of what, New, uh, what California has spent researching high-speed rail between Sacramento and Los Angeles. And they haven't even laid an inch of track yet. It's a big boondoggle. It's a scam. It is... Uh, how the left governs, all of it. It's all designed to control you and what you do. You keep electing these people, you keep empowering people to control you and what you do. Just keep that in mind when you vote. Okay, so if you're out there and you're like filling up your gas tank and going, geez, there goes a mortgage payment into my Toyota here. This kind of sucks. The uh, liberal elite have a message for you. Shut up. Stop whining. Stop complaining. What's wrong with you? Don't be such a baby. You're probably still fine, okay? You can Now, they don't understand. They you got to understand these people make a lot of money. And they make a lot of Not only do they lose connection with the normal human beings of this earth because they make a lot of money. They lose connection with the normal human beings of this earth because they make a lot of money doing really nothing doing nothing that, that is really difficult in any way, shape, or form anyway. If you're just sitting there, especially if you're a columnist, you're an overpaid columnist for the Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever, those people make a lot of money. 
So, and they get speaking engagements and they get cable news contributorships and everything. So it's not just their salary, which is well into the six figures. It is everything else that's another set of six figures or more. And they also get asked to, oh, will you teach a course at this university for X amount of dollars for a year? Like, oh, okay. They, they're given money essentially for existing. And there's no accountability. If you write a really stupid column and you make a prediction and it proves to be wildly wrong, there's no like, well, geez, we gotta, we're going to have to let you go. You, you predicted that Hillary was going to win in a walk and Hillary lost. So we gotta, you know, it's embarrassing. No, there's none of that. So your life is pretty, pretty damn good if you are one of these overpriced people at these major media outlets. So when the price of gasoline goes up, for example, the odds are you live in a pretty insulated world. You live in Manhattan where you're not having a car anyway, so gas prices don't really impact you. Or you live in Northern Virginia or Chevy Chase or Potomac, Maryland, where you drive but not very far. You get to work from home and you go to the grocery store and that's about it. So it, when you do get around to filling up your gas tank, it's a bit of a drag, but not that big of a drag because you are, are overpaid on top of it and you don't have to fill up very often. Such, I assume, is the life of Michelle Singletary over at MSNBC, over at the Washington Post. She was asked by Chris Jansing about the uh, inflation issue and gas prices and everything, and her essential answer is, stop whining. You can afford it. There are people who can't afford it, so if you're going to feel bad, feel bad for them. But otherwise, shut up, learn your place, and recognize that uh, you can afford this. Essentially, this is her argument, desperately hoping that they can come up with some kind of argument. This is what she's come up with for Democrats to argue for the American people who are not particularly happy about $5 gas. Tell them you can afford it. Stop whining, still vote Democrat. I'm only slightly exaggerating. Listen to it. There's a new poll out by Politico Morning Consult that I think is quite revealing. It shows 38% of Americans say they would rather see a recession than the inflation that we're dealing with. I mean, I read that to mean more than a third of Americans are so pressed by what they're having to pay for gas, for food, everyday items, rent, that they'd rather see a recession. Is that where we are right now? You know, I'm just going to say this, and 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 if I get banged for it, I don't care. There are there is a great deal of Americans where it is uncomfortable that they're spending more, but they are not going to go under. You know, you you got to stop complaining when there's so many people who literally the inflation rate means they may only have two meals instead of three. There are Americans who did extremely well in the last two years in the market. You still have your job. And yeah, it's costing you more for gas, but guess what? You're still going to take that holiday, that 4th of July vacation. You can still eat out. So I'm going to need you to calm down and back off. I'm going to need you to calm down and back off and shut up and quit complaining and quit whining. You can afford it. Yeah, you can't afford it. All you got to do is, you know, have Salisbury steak instead of steak. Have uh, have a sandwich instead of a real meal that you like to cook or whatever. Or eat, eat more spaghetti. Spaghetti's cheap or what have you. Not understanding that you've already got to do that 
in addition to all the other garbage. She's telling you to shut up. You don't know how good you've got it. That's the argument. You don't know how good you've got it. Shut your mouth. (laughs) Now, it's kind of funny because that argument, you don't know how good you've got it, is one that is effective against the radical leftists, the people like Michelle Singletary over at the Washington Post and pretty much every columnist over at the Washington Post, save for maybe, maybe one. And that is, as they ride around and writhe around and roll around complaining and protesting, blocking traffic and talking about how horrible this country is and how oppressed they are, you do look at them and say, shut up, you, you don't have any understanding of how good you've got it. They just, they, they really believe they're oppressed. They really believe that they are victims. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're most pampered people on the planet. Every human being alive in the United States today has it better than every human being alive, I would say, starting 150 years ago and before. Even royalty. Even royalty. You got it pretty good. You know why? Because if royalty 300 years ago cut themselves accidentally on a rusty nail somewhere, sticking out of a floorboard, there's a pretty good chance that they were going to die from it. Even the junkies out on the street have better medical care than that person does. And you don't have to go out and hunt wild boar to have food. There are places that provide you with food. So even the homeless have it better than royalty had it 150 and more years ago. Hate to break it to you, but now just shut up. You can afford it. You can afford lots of things. You can afford lots of things. Does that make it right? When it's artificial, when it's caused by the government, you shouldn't be mad at your government. You shouldn't demand accountability. You shouldn't demand competence from your government because you can afford it. Listen to Joe Biden along the same lines. Use, try to use Ukraine to blame as his defense for high gas prices. He asks at the end, hey, uh, you're telling me you'd rather not be fighting Ukraine? This is what he meant, by the way, when he said earlier that we're in the time of war. So for all those Republicans in Congress criticizing me today for high gas prices in America, are you now saying we were wrong to support Ukraine? Are you saying we were wrong to stand up to Putin? Are you saying that we would rather have lower gas prices in America and Putin's iron fist in Europe? I don't believe that. I don't believe. Well, that number that... uh, MSNBC just cited from that poll would suggest otherwise. Would I? Do I care about Ukraine? <sighs> Not really. I want Ukraine to be free. Sure, yes, absolutely. But am I willing to send American troops? No, no. Am I happy? Am I going? Well, all you got to do is is pay ten times what you normally would and what the market demands for gasoline, and then Ukraine will continue. Uh, no, no. Ukraine can fight. But I also know that that's not the real cause. That's Joe Biden's Achilles heel is he's lying there. He's drawing a false equivalence to try and cover up for his incompetence and the decisions he made when he first came into office. It's not Ukraine or gas. It's Joe Biden's lies. Okay, in the uh, remaining time we have left, I want to get to a couple of things. I want to get to this, this story out of Wisconsin. Uh, local story. It's, you're probably seeing these all across the country this just happens to be the one that i found online as this week now now they started giving shots to kids i honestly i don't know what the hell is wrong with a parent 
who goes out there and says, please, can I give this shot to my kid? It's six months old. Damn it. Can't we get, there's a, a heart problem that occurs in boys, you know, under tw- like around age 12 at a higher, dangerously high rate. But we got to give him the shot. God, you got to wonder what like Pfizer has on these politicians to push this stuff through. But nonetheless, that's where we are. The FDA, rather than recognizing that the mortality rate amongst children is a rounding error, and unless you have a pre-existing condition of comorbidity, what have you, there is no reason to get your children vaccinated. Instead, you get these leftist parents who are nuts and go, we must still, I, I can't, I'm looking forward to getting my child the shot so finally we can be free and we can be safe. And it's like, how many boosters have you had? How many boosters have you had? It's been two years. You've had two shots and what, three, four, five boosters now? That ain't normal. That ain't working, right? Because you still got COVID. You're like, oh, we still got COVID because we've been shot and boosted. It was a horrible experience. But the next booster is probably the one that's going to do it. And I can't wait to get my kid the shot. What are the shots and the boosters for? I understand the argument. You think it might have been worse. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. But with your kid, there is no statistical evidence that the vaccine, quote unquote, vaccine, would be any better for them and be any more effective for them than it is for human beings. Because it is abundantly clear that it is not effective for human beings. You can sit there and you can argue till the cows come home. Well, it's different because the vaccine was designed for the original version of the virus and it is mutated now or into Omicron 7 or whatever. Okay. Well, then why are you vaccinating your kid against a virus that isn't really raging out there right now? Why would you vaccinate your kid against that well uh, just in case just in case what just in case they get exposed to a virus that is sort of you know dead now is that that your argument they're your kids you're gonna have to explain you're gonna have to deal with the consequences whatever it's more than likely harmless in the long run for the vast majority of people but let's be honest it is not necessary the only people who are sitting there who are paranoid enough to line up their six-month-old to be a pincushion in the world's greatest largest science experiment are leftists the people still wearing let me tell you the thing about new york this event that we had to go to you had to have your vaccine card or take a test the only place I'd ever seen where they actually enforced that. You had to get the swab shoved up your nose. At least they weren't doing it rectally. Or have your vaccine card in order to get in there. But there were still people. You're in the, I, it was right across the street from the Chrysler building. Maybe it was one block over. But the, right near the Chrysler building. That sort of area of Midtown. Everybody's sitting down eating this mushy, flavorless fish. And uh, like I don't know how you screw up asparagus, but they screwed up the asparagus. And all the servants have masks on. There isn't a single person that I saw sitting down having their lunch 
with a mask on. None of the presenters, none of the award recipients, nobody there that was there for the thing. But every servant was told to wear their masks. Now, I don't think that was a a function of the event itself. It is a function of the government of New York City. That's why you sit there and you see the the pictures from the Met Gala where AOC's running around and, a lot of, and everybody behind her is uh, largely minorities. And same with the waitstaff at this building are wearing masks. And they go, oh, the elite don't have to wear masks, but the servants have to wear masks. It's the government mandating that. So you should still blast AOC for that because she's part of the government. But this place, I don't think, you know, the second they walked in the kitchen, they took the damn masks off. Nobody's wearing a mask except for the servants. But you, uh, these are the types of people, the people that mandate that. Oh, in the streets of New York, a lot of people wearing masks. Not half. I'd say 30 to 40% of the people wearing masks, though. It's a way different world than where I live. The the closer you get to a, a major city, the more masks you see. It was bizarre. Anyway... These are the types of people I'd imagine who wear a mask walking down the street in Manhattan are lining up to get their kids a shot. Listen to this local story. Yeah, Julie, appointments filled up fast today at the Mall of America. But last month, a Kaiser Family Foundation poll found that only 18% of parents nationwide were eager to immediately vaccinate their kids under five years old. Many more said that they're taking a wait-and-see approach. We followed one family through the process today at the state-run MOA site. Finally here. The day is finally here. After a long wait. We're so excited. <laughs> Liana Cotant's one-year-old son, Luca, can finally get vaccinated, just like his older brother. Just Luca. Yes, he's already already got his. Liana booked one of the first appointments for kids under five at the state's Mall of America site. And he's lived his whole life in the pandemic, and now we finally get to protect him. The line moved quickly. Right, almost our turn. When the moment finally arrived. Hello. All done. All done. All done. All done. Luca recovered pretty fast. You're all done, boo-boo. Do you like your band-aid? Can we be friends? Can we be friends now? Parents like Liana are rushing to the MOA site during this first week filling up 250 appointments a day. We've seen quite a bit of families come through. Nurse manager Kaylee Medina applauded the CDC for authorizing vaccines in this youngest age group. And it's a perfect time before kids go back into daycare and preschool and moving into kindergarten. But some parents remain cautious. 38% of parents told the Kaiser Family Foundation last month they would wait to vaccinate their kids younger than five until they saw how it worked for others. So I would encourage parents, there's been a lot of research behind this vaccine, so it's very effective, um, it's very trustworthy. The first wave of families at MOA could hardly wait. You did so good, boo! Liana Cotan's son (laughs) now officially has his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Gosh, yes, feels amazing. I I can't tell you, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Yay! Yay, it's an amazing feeling. I can't tell you. It's wonderful. It's amazing. I love how the nurse is like, oh, it's totally effective and it's safe. And, oh, wow, so it's different than the adult version. It's totally effective, huh? <laughs> it's the same lies they told adults. Just be honest with you. Hey, it's a temporary boost in your immunity. That's it. If you want it, get it. If you don't, 
look into something else. But that's not the way our government works. But running out of it is how time works, right? Isn't that time? Time works? Yeah, time is up, ladies and gentlemen. Start your damn weekend. Enjoy yourselves for the love of God. Have some fun for me, too, won't you, please? I'd appreciate it. Send some fun and some love my way. Uh, there's other stuff going on in the uh, the family that uh, maybe I'll talk about next week with illness and what have you. When it rains, it pours, doesn't it? Good Lord. Anyway, thanks for all the support. Thanks for listening. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com, whatever makes your conscience better. I know some people hate Patreon. Or uh, the, the PayPal and Venmo are my email addresses, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com, D-E-R-E-K-A-L-L-A-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at gmail.com. I had lost track of what the hell I was spelling in the middle of it. It's one of those days, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of those weeks. It's one of those times. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Hopefully see you for the weekend effort and review at midnight tonight. Otherwise, be back here on Monday. Thank you.